Good day, um, good afternoon, good morning, whenever you're listening. Um, my name is Dr. Foyer. Um, I am Medical Director of Lifesavers Emergency Room and your host today of A Life Worth Living podcast. Our special guest today is Dr. Modupe Adeyefa. This is my girl. She's so beautiful. Every time I see this woman, I just start smiling and giggling like, like I have I'm a coach. <laughs> Because you're so special. Like if, once you guys will get to know her, you'll see like you, you like a whole human being does all the things she does, and and she does it like like it's nothing. You know, I'm just I'm a doctor. I'm a superwoman, and then I fly at night. I don't know about all that. Stuff. Have, oh yeah, okay. children. Anyway, <laughs> like, anyway. So Dr. Adeyefa is a breast radiologist. Um, so she'll talk more about what that means. But not only does she go through medical school and then she went through radiology, which is already a very challenging and um, selective field to even get into. Then she also did a fellowship in breast um, radiology, which is another level of awesomeness. Um, but she's the medical director at a Clear Lake uh, Methodist uh, for their breast uh, radiology department or their breast center. But I'm going to let her get into all the details of what she does and really kind of break it down for us and give us a, just a peek into her life and the work that she does and how it really impacts and blesses um, a lot of us um, as women, um, as men, as patients in the community. But welcome, Dr. Adeya. Thank you for honoring us and being here today on your set. This is a Saturday, y'all, on a Saturday afternoon. Well, you know what? Thank you so much, Dr. Foyer, for having me. It's an honor and a privilege. Uh, I have known Dr. Foyer since she was like, what, gosh, we, we first met when we were like 16, 17 years old in college. Yeah. So friends before we're doctors, you know, so uh, it is an honor and a privilege to be here, to be on her podcast, and it has been amazing to see her life journey, really, uh, truly, from like college to medical school to owning her own ER. I mean, this girl, she'll be here trying to talk about me, but she is her own kind of superwoman, so uh, it's an honor and a privilege to be here to talk about breast imaging and to kind of share the information. I mean, it is Breast Cancer Awareness this month is October, so this is our month. It just happened, I mean, right? It just happened that we're meeting up and talking about this this month. So it's a privilege and honor to be here. So thank you for having me, Dr. Foyer. I think a lot of people don't know much about what a breast radiologist is until you need one. Yeah, you know, it's like a field that you're like, oh, it is, is people for that too? Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> tell us how you got, how did you end up in radiology? I mean, it was really... Um, I mean, I'm a believer. It's literally an act of God because, you know, I went to medical school in Atlanta. I went to Morehouse School of Medicine and it was predominantly for primary care, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember that for the first two years of medical school, I loved it. I loved being in the classroom. I enjoyed pathology, pathophys. It was like, woo, I loved it. Mm-hmm. And the clinical years were great. But I, I really enjoyed the diagnostic component of medicine. And so when I finished medical, I was about to finish medical school and pick a career, my dad was like, try radiology. And in my head, I'm thinking, what I see those radiologists got like glasses on. That's not me. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. You know? <laughs> 
Um, but I tried it. I, I did a rotation. I came to Houston for that rotation. And one of the lectures that was given was about breast radiology. And until then, I wasn't really like, I didn't know anything about radiology, not even breast radiology. So when she gave that lecture, I went and I saw what they did. And I'm like, oh my God, this is for me. Because what happened is you get to diagnose diseases and then you see patients, you talk to them. There's this gratification of finding somebody's cancer, helping them along the journey, diagnosing, doing the procedure, calling them with the results that I did not know. We were never taught in medical school. There's no lecture that we ever had about breast image in medical school. So I just felt like it was just perfect timing, perfect for me. And I'm so grateful that I get to do this every day. So uh, that's how I kind of bumped into it. It was really like someone came into my life and told me I, I didn't plan it. It wasn't planned. Right. Yeah. How did, well, for as far as the breast radiology aspect, do you feel like you would have been interested in radiology without that specialty being there, like the subspecialty of it? I mean, let me be honest. I knew going into radiology, I was going to do breast. So that's my bias, right? Because I knew I was going to have to. But to get to breast, you have to go through five years of training, of one prelim and four years of radiology. And um, But I do love radiology as a whole. I mean, basically, we call ourselves the doctor's doctor, as in like we're their friends. Every single specialty typically come to us to talk about, hey, I have a headache, read a CT scan for me, or muscle pain chest pain, you're ER, you guys, we work together all the time, chest pain, abdominal pain, we're the one that are trying to figure out what is going on inside the body without any information. Um, and so I, I do love radiology as a whole, but I love the aspect of breast radiology because you get to talk to people. So a lot of radiologists who work in a dark room, you, you can't see my room right now, but my workstation is right in front of me. So we, we really work alone a lot of times, except if you guys call us to ask our opinion. Uh, but breast, you actually get to see patients. So I have clinic. I see 20 people usually in clinic and I go to each room if I have to. I scan patients, we do procedures on them, we call them with the results. So it's more interactive, which I love. You know, I love talking to people, you know. So I think that component is a little different from the other parts of radiology. Well, tell me what these procedures are. I think that's, I mean, we all know about mammograms and yeah. ultrasounds, but where, what, what are y'all doing in there? <laughs> So, of course, you know, breast radiology, we do mammograms. And, you know, I don't know if we're going to get to talk about this later, but, you know, we do, you know, you come into our office, you come for a screening mammogram, we'll do a little, you know, pictures, we compress the breast. I know a lot of our patients like, why do you guys invent a technology that presses people's chest? There's a reason behind all of that. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, it helps us to interpret the breast better and also it reduces radiation. So that's what we do the compression. So they come to us. And when you do a screening mammogram, we see an abnormality, we call you back. And that's when we do the diagnostic component. And that's when you see people like us, is when you come in with an abnormality or you have a palpable or something that's concerning you about your breast, we do pictures, we do ultrasound on you, and then they, we come into the room to discuss the results with you. Because it's very, very scary for a lot of patients to come and see us because most people have a problem when they come to see us. And most people think they have cancer when they come to see us. So typically when I walk into the room, I am not the one they want to see. There's usually an angst like, oh God, oh my goodness. You're hey, coming the doctor will be right in. That's yeah, you're like, oh gosh, it's gonna come right time. But most of the time, really, we wanna come in the room and scan you, make sure everything correlates what we see on the mammogram, and then we'll tell you what the next plan will be. 
Do we want to see you back in six months? Do we want to see you next year? Or do we want to do a biopsy on you? And you know, you ask about the biopsy. We do three different kinds of biopsy. We do ultrasound biopsy, stereotactic biopsy, and MRI guided biopsies. And the reason why is if we see an abnormality on ultrasound, we'll biopsy by ultrasound. And it's the easiest thing to do because you're laying on your back. It's easy for the patient. It's not as technically difficult. It depends on, it's, it's a little different. And then we have stereotactic biopsy whereby the patient is either sitting up or laying on their tummy and we have to find certain things we couldn't see on ultrasound. And then we do MRI guided biopsy whereby we only see the abnormality by MRI and we have to do it through that modality as well. Um, so those are the three biopsies we do, but we also do other things like localization. So if you have cancer or you have to go to surgery, the surgeon doesn't know where to go to or what to do. I mean, it's the whole breast tissue. So what we do is we localize that particular area that we've seen and have done biopsy on. So when you come into our, our offices, we put a wire through it and then we'll send you off to surgery. So the surgeons know exactly where you are going to uh, excise or take out or remove. Um, so those are the different kind of procedures we typically do in breast imaging. Okay. So you were, your typical work day is you're going to see about 20 patients and the patients that you see are usually the ones that do have an abnormality or is this those that 20 you're saying is the, the good and the bad as far as like the... Uh, yeah. So a regular work day is kind of like, okay, so we have a, a mix of screening mammograms and diagnostic mammograms. So I may, I may have a screening bucket that I go through and just read them randomly whenever I have time. And then you have a diagnostic... Um, clinic in a way. So for me, it might be different. Other people might see 5, 10, 15, 20, depends on or how busy your practice is. Um, and then you might have another radiologist with you. You can kind of bounce ideas off each other. Most time, I'm usually by myself. And so um, when you do see us, it's because we're trying to answer your question. What is really going on with your lump? What's really going on with this breast? Um, so we see them, you know, simultaneously, you know, and then after that, if we need to do a procedure, we have scheduled procedures during the day. So I'm going from room to room, procedure, diagnostic, with screener over here, dictate over here. So it's a very, very, yeah, you know, it's a busy day. <laughs> It's a busy day, but it's uh, it's worthwhile because usually we're giving people answers as they're coming. They have an idea what the next step would be. Good. I mean, that's that's all that's all very fascinating, and I think it gives it gives people a little bit of you don't have to be necessarily anxious because this person that's coming in here they're coming just for you, and if they're in there, it's because they're using all this found of fund of knowledge just for you in that you know whatever period of time that they're dedicating to you. So. Um, so don't be nervous if the, the radiologist actually comes in the room. It's, I've, I've had, yeah, when I had the radiologist come in, I've been a, a little bit nervous, like, oh, why are you here? I, I didn't, I didn't want to say. I know, I know. <laughs> I usually yeah. stop when I walk in, just to kind of like break the ice, like, I'm, everything is okay. I'm just coming to see yeah, you. Lead with that. <laughs> yes, because, I mean, they are so nervous. People are so nervous to see yeah. us. And honestly, most of the time, I would tell you probably like 90% of the time, it's really to give you good news. Cause I feel like you came, right? So I should come into your room and let you know everything is okay. So yes, please don't be nervous about seeing us. Most times we're there to say hello. Uh, other times it's because of course we have to deliver, um, I would say not, not bad news because the truth is I cannot give you bad news. Unless I have done biopsy on you. It's more like I'm coming to tell you what the next steps would be. That's right. Yeah. Right. 
Well, let's talk about breast cancer and early detection and how your field uh, plays a role in that. Um, what what can you share with people who are listening or watching about early detection? What should they be doing as far as, um, I guess, screening? Um, I think there's just been a lot of confusion about when you should start. And, and then especially for like minorities, sometimes we're a little bit suspicious mm-hmm. of these screening guidelines because even me, I'll be like, well, I'm going to start now. I don't know what they said in that paper. I'm going to go ahead and get my, <laughs> you know. So what would you, you know, professional woman of color, woman say um, as far as screening um, guidelines for us um, moving forward? I mean, the screening guideline according to ACR, which is the Academy of uh, Radiology and uh, SBI, Society of Breast Imaging, is that we start screening at the age of 40. Okay. And, you know, I'm clocking 40 very soon. So, yes, I will be doing it. And I will be honest, even for me, it's scary, right? Because, like, I do this every day and yeah. I'm seeing women that are my age now getting breast cancer. So, of course, you do it scared. It's scary, but it's better to know than not to know. So, guideline is to start at 40. Now, for people of color, people like us, you know, we start earlier. I would say at least start discussing it with your doctor by the age of 30. Some people start by 35 and starting their mammogram at 35, they can get a baseline and then do one in a 40. But every year after 40 years, if you want to do it on your birthday, every year you do your mammogram, your screening mammogram. And that's our recommendation. Now, there are some people who have a very strong family history. And so if you are a BRCA mutation carrier, as in like you have that BRCA gene, people call it Angelina Jolie gene because I think when we found out she had it, she had a bilateral mastectomy and yes, there are a lot of people that have BRCA mutation and other um, mutations that actually increases their likelihood of developing breast cancer. If you are in that category or you've had chest radiation to your chest, you know, when you were much younger for lymphoma, you need to get, you know, screened at a much earlier age. So if your mother had it at 45, we start 10 years before you start at 35. If she was 35 when she was diagnosed, you could start much earlier. Earliest you could start is 25. So if you have a gene mutation, 25-year-old, you start screening breast MRI every year. And then when you start at 30 years old, you start with mammograms every year. So if you have a family history, strong family history, or you have a mutation, you should start at the age of 30. I would say Black women of color definitely early. Start talking about it early. And if you feel anything, come regardless of your age. Yeah. And I would also, you know, I don't know if this is right or true, but I think for some people, if you don't know your family history, you don't, you should probably go ahead and get genetically tested because maybe you don't have that leisure, depending on where you're from, people died and nobody knew exactly, or this auntie, or from where we're from, they'll just say it was Juju. You don't know what, you know what, you don't know why they, they just, oh, their stomach hurt and then they died. And then you don't know what that was. So definitely doing these, um, you know, testing so you can understand what's going on in your genetic, genetic uh, line. Yeah. profile. What, what would you, I guess, what would you advise as far as some people who aren't sure they want to do screenings every year? Is there, has there been any research or data as far as getting the prophylactic uh, mastectomy? And could they, do they, could they still have, um, you know, they, could they still have cancer in their lymph nodes, even if they get a mastectomy or do they remove uh, that? Are you talking about like family history people that want to do a prophylactic? 
Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And what we mean, what we mean by prophylactic mastectomy is really when you go in and take, remove the breast. You know, sometimes you know me and you talk about mastectomies, but most people might not know what that means. But mastectomy means if you remove all the breast tissue, and the different types of mastectomy, you could have skin smearing mastectomy, whereby like they just leave the skin and they go underneath and scrape all the breast tissue behind it out, mm-hmm. and um, they can replace it with implants. Or some people just end up just taking the whole thing out, nipple everything, and just flat there. So people go that route um, but if you have a very strong family history and you want you've had your kids and you want to take everything out yes you can now most surgeons will remove the breast tissue but there could still be some microscopic tissue left behind mm-hmm. and i have seen it whereby like you still end up getting cancer still but of course your likelihood is much better than if you didn't have it done right, right? Those um, patients still get annual screenings after. If you have a mastectomy, no, you don't need to necessarily have a screening with us. What you do need to have is an oncologist that's following you and doing breast exams, and you're checking with your oncologist as well. Um, but for us, you don't come to see us for mammograms really because you don't have breast tissue anymore. Some patients. They do MRIs because they just want the peace of mind. They want to make sure everything is okay because it is quite anxiety provoking for people because, you know, they're nervous. Like, what if I get it anyway? Um, but truly, you don't need to get screened if you already had those, if you had bilateral mastectomies already and you have someone or an oncologist who watches you every six months or a year or so like that. Can you tell me a little bit about challenges um, that you're facing or that you see when it comes to different populations? Like, are certain populations, um, do, do you see like they face more risk in certain populations? Tell me a little bit about that or those, those with family history, do you approach them a little bit differently? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, like when you have, so basically when you come to a breast center, we usually have a screening sheet or, you know, we have you input some information to iPads. And from there, we kind of deduce, okay, do you have a family history, surgical history, different things like that? You, you know, we don't really talk much about your race and gender until I see you in my office, right? Because at the end of the day, it is true that black women, um, you know, when we do get breast cancer, it's definitely more lethal sometimes and more advanced. And that's mostly because culturally, I think most people of color might not go get screened as often as a Caucasian counterparts. They're very religious. I see a lot of my patients, unfortunately, because where I work at, I see a lot of Caucasian patients and they come every single year. They do not miss a year. Um, I do think it's as more uh, uh, black women are getting more educated, we're seeing more and more of that, but definitely uh, there's a discrepancy of, you know, people of color and Caucasian women in getting breast imaging uh, done. but there has been, you know, word out there that, you know, we should get screened earlier because if black women are screened earlier, hopefully we can catch the disease earlier and the treatment is much better instead of us having women come in and it's like stage four, it's a lump. When you feel a lump, typically it's, it's stage two usually at that point because you can feel a size. Well, breast imaging, because of early detection, I could detect as early as four or five dots of calcifications that could turn into cancer. And so when I catch those women that have that, their treatment is better, their five-year expect life expectancy is much better. And so that's why mammography is so good because really early detection saves lives. So the earlier you start screening, the better. So when I see women of color or when I see young women that have a family history, I might I get out of my chair and go talk to them. Like, hey, by the way, you have a strong family history. I would suggest you start screening at this age. I would suggest you say, I'll see you next year. And sometimes I'd be a little bit stern for my women of color. I'd be like, no, 
Don't give me, I'm gonna see you next year. But next year, don't tell me two years, next year. And also if you feel a lump, come to me, come come back immediately. You know, don't wait and let it grow. Um, and if you have a strong family history, you need to get a breast MRI. So I know mammography is good, ultrasound is good, but if you have a strong family history, we need to add MRI to your screening. So that way we could really get a full gamut of what's really going on. Um, so in, in breast imaging, we have four different kinds of breast densities. So you have the very dense breast tissue, which is in young women, skinny women sometimes, thin women, or just how your breast density is. You have extremely dense, you have heterogeneously dense, you have scattered tissue, and then you have fatty breasts. These four that different breast densities are usually in your mammogram report. It's the first one of your mammogram report. So if you're extremely dense, you know, mammogram is good, but it's 60% good. So I could still miss cancer with extremely dense breast tissue. So imagine if you have extremely dense breast tissue, you have a family history, and then you're young and you're black, I could still miss a lot with that breast density. So usually, of course, you want to always recommend breast MRI. You know, let's add MRI. With MRI in there, it goes about 90% more accurate in determining what's going on. Uh, but no matter the density, though, if you have a family history, you want to get a mammogram, and in six months or so, get an MRI, and then six months, going to get another mammogram. So we're looking at you at least twice a year. And, and do you feel like all women are getting these, this advice, the same advice if you look at data? Do all do I mean, all with dense tissue who are young and you know of color get the mammogram and then MRI? Is that is that standard of care? I would say. I would say that is a recommendation, and we do have recommendations that we follow and guidelines that we follow. Okay. Um, you know, uh, the hope is that primary care docs know this because they are the first set of people that meet this patient, the one that bring them to us. So we don't actually bring patients to us on our own. It is primary care docs that usually refer to us, you know? So if you're gonna get a screening mammogram, I'm hoping that primary care docs are telling their patients, hey, by the way, you're 30, you know? Your family, your mother had breast cancer, right? So you should get screened. And then when they come to me or come to us, then we'll give them the addition, extra information. But typically, you know, we don't really know what's going on out there except those actually walking through our door. So I would hope, and I think, you know, uh, primary care docs, you know, are the ones that are really helping us push this initiative. And we also push it in our different societies and the, the, the task force and all these things, talking about the screen and all that. We definitely push that 40 is the time to start. Every woman at the age of 40 should at least get a mammogram every year. Right. Every year. Right. It is very important because I've seen cancers grow in six months. But at least in a year, it's a good time for us to really assess any interval chain between your mammograms, you know. Right. And do you do you know if um, I guess I know there's been a lot with insurance companies and making sure these are covered, especially for people who have higher risk to make sure it's covered when they're at a younger age. Um, I know, for example, for my situation, I think, you know, my insurance wouldn't necessarily cover it because of whatever reasons, but because I have the finances, I was like, well, how much is it? Let me, <laughs> you need a check with you, you know? So the, are there a lot, has there been a lot just in lobbying and legislature to make sure that the screening is um, free or not free, but covered by insurance um, to the best of um, our ability? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think screening mammograms is definitely covered by well women for most women that have insurance. And mammography also is quite affordable depending on where you go to, so you can still get it done. Of course, when you start hitting diagnostic mammogram, ultrasound, you start getting biopsies, you gotta start playing out of pocket to get a little bit more pricey. But screening is definitely covered by most insurance companies because I I guess they figured it's better for you to screen them. It's cheaper to go that route than to wait for them to have cancer, right? And for family history, you have to definitely show it that you have a, a really strong history. And typically insurance will help or cover the MRI component, which can be very expensive. Mm-hmm. So they cover the MRI for them too as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I definitely we do get a lot of those. Um, we get a lot of patients just for regular screening and it's paid for, it's covered. I'm sure that helps, you know, with doing your your part of it because it can be very frustrating when you want to give something to a patient and then you find out, oh, this is... They can't afford it. You have a patient who has a really bad infection and they don't want you don't want them in the hospital. It's oral. And then you see how much it costs. One dose is a couple thousand dollars. You're like, well, okay, so do you want Bactrim? (laughs) Bactrim is two dollars, you know, you know. So I'm sure that that makes it easier for you to be able to do your job as offering these screenings because you're not necessarily having that in the back of your mind. Oh, gosh, there's millions of people out here that I can't do a screening mammogram on because so there, there is though because not a lot of people have insurance i mean i work in an institution whereby like a lot of our people, staff is you know they have insurance um but they're and i also i trained at grady in atlanta i okay. trained at um lbj here in houston um and so there is definitely a discrepancy because if you don't have the resources mm-hmm. you know you don't have insurance and that's what we see you know, patients of color or people that don't have, that cannot afford healthcare, we end up seeing cancers in them much later on because they could they didn't have the means to get their screen mammograms every year. They didn't have the means to come and see us for a diagnostic workup because I think that's definitely a barrier is the fact that not everybody can afford to even get health insurance. So if you're not having health insurance, you definitely are not gonna be able to be seen, unfortunately, unless you go to a certain location, which are there. There are places where you can get mammogram, the road does it. Uh, right. by, you know, they, they have their fundraise and they have ability to really help patients to at least get in, get a mammogram. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there is still some drawback in that because if you don't have healthcare, it's really difficult for you to have a yearly mammogram right. so there are some free resources out there um you said the rose i've heard about the rose clinic um mm-hmm. it's a nonprofit organization that provides that i don't know of a lot of others but i'm sure for anyone who's listening definitely there even for almost anything that we want to get that is a public health um, service you can find free services for it it's more difficult it's not as straightforward of course um, because you're dealing with public resources and under you know resources that are probably stretched thin but um, the only one I can think of is the rose but when we post it we'll try to find some other free resources in the link uh, for people who want to get their annual mammograms or screening um, options I know there's a clinic called the legacy clinic I was actually thinking the same thing legacy clinic yes absolutely we get a lot of patients from legacy clinic and I also know that Harris Health, they also have like resources. You could pay a little bit, I think. Uh, but that was in training. Please double check me on that. Um, but yeah, there is definitely a lot of resources out there whereby you can get subsidized. You can They can help you. And even those that are diagnosed with breast cancer, there are resources out there, opportunities to get money to for treatment. So um, money should not be the only barrier because there's a lot of opportunities out there for us to help.
Right. Well, tell us how do you feel like breast radiology has evolved over the years? Like from when, I mean, you've been doing this for like 10 years now. How do you, what do you see from when you started to now? It has, you know, radiology in itself is a technologically, like it's, we are technology, technologically based, period, you know? Um, So when I started, when I was in medical school, they used to have film screen about like, you know, you have films and you like hook them up. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Films. I don't even know how to put that up anymore. Like we don't do that anymore, you know? So um, just in transferring of information has gotten so much better. So you can get a mammogram in like Atlanta, give me a CD, pop it up over here in Houston Methodist. I can look at your images. Um, so just information and sharing has gotten much better. Everything is mostly digital. Um, while I was in training, 3D mammography became mainline, you know, before it was just standard, take a picture, you know, four images. Two on one side, two on the other side. We kind of put them together, we interpret, but now we have 3D tomosynthesis. So that means the images I can actually scroll through the breast back and forth, scroll through. And so I always kind of like say, it's kind of like maybe if you had a bread, a slice of bread, right? You get a slice of bread and all I'm seeing is just a slice of bread. But then now with 3D tomosynthesis, you have a loaf of bread. And so I can slice right through each of them and I can see the raisin, I can see this. I just see things a lot better with 3D tomosynthesis, um, which actually was not mainline when I was in training, but now it's like everybody has it. And if you're not doing mammography that's 3D, you're behind, you know? So um, that's another advance advancement. I mean, we do a lot now with what we call contrast enhanced mammography. That's also something new that we, uh, that's starting very soon in our practice. And so what we do is when we go for a mammogram. This isn't yeah. diagnostic, right? No. Yeah, for a diagnostic mammogram. And maybe in the future we use for screening um, is that you get contrast. We give you contrast through your veins. We take a picture. And so we actually have a, a better idea about enhancement. So you're not just looking at the breast density. You can now look at enhancement. And you're taking dual images whereby like I can you can subtract and you see things that are abnormal, it's like an MRI, but much cheaper and faster. This is another modality in which you can actually look at more information for the breast. Um, So that's contrast enhanced mammography. Um, Recently, our facility just did something that was pretty interesting, which is cryoablation. Um, Cryoablation of breast cancer is still pretty new. There's a lot of research um, that we're doing in terms of that right now, but our facility is starting this thing whereby like if you are older patient, because now we're having women live into their 90s, 80s, and they get diagnosed with breast cancer and they cannot go through surgery. Now we have this opportunity to kind of like to put a needle in through that mass and freeze it. And so we freeze it at negative 40 degrees Celsius. And basically the cancer over time, of course, dies really at that point. And when it does, um, you actually release um, cytokines and, you know, you have this feedback effect by your body almost in a way create a vaccine like to cancer cells. And so it's fighting cancer all over your body. I mean, it's just so many cool things that are happening in breast imaging that in the past was just dreamt of. And so there's a lot of research in breast cancer treatment, uh, breast cancer imaging. I mean, it's been, uh, it's a very, very nice place to work to see the evolution and how breast cancer used to be a death sentence for a lot of people, but now it's a chronic disease. There are people that are living with stage four breast cancer, living with stage four breast cancer. So the treatment has gotten so much better. Um, so there's a lot of things that's happening and it's very reassuring and it's very gratifying, you know, 
to yeah. to help to do this. Let's talk about research. I know, I mean, you you live really in a in a world of you know oncology and prevention of breast cancer and treatment. What what do you what would you say compared to other cancers out there? is the difference between breast cancer, like as far as the attention to it, the money given to it? And you know, I mean, it's a cancer that affects one in 78 women. It's very common. And in the past, we just kind of like, people just died from it because we really didn't know a lot about it. And so because it's, it could happen to anyone, it could happen to somebody's wife, mother, daughter, I think definitely that exposure um, and desire to get a cure is something that is in everybody's mind, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, this could happen to anyone, if you're rich, if you're poor, if you're nice, if you're not. Like, it doesn't matter. It is indiscriminatory of anything. So uh, breast cancer, I think, because it's it, it, it could affect a lot of us. That's, I think that's probably the publicity with it. And of course, women, we're going to, you know, it's, it's a women thing. So we want to be able to rally up and try. To- yes, we, we rally together. You know, people go on breast cancer walks. You know, we just we, we, we rally together. It's, it's a journey that most women go together with other women. So I think that definitely helps. Um, and also, you know, the, the, the cancer and how to treat breast cancer. It's not easy. It's very unique to every woman. So. 10 women can have different kinds of breast cancer because, you know, due to the receptors and different things about that particular person, you know, it's going to have a different expression. I was into an oncologist yesterday, just preparing for this, which was saying that in the same clinic, you could have the same woman with the same age, the same cancer morphology, and they respond differently to chemotherapy. You Mm -hmm. know, so it's really hard to say, really, if it's, you know, it's because it's easy or hard, but we have definitely been very fortunate because a lot has been going on in breast research and it's still ongoing. I'm sure the, 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 the hope is for a cure, but until we get to that point, we're going to keep on going technologically. We're going to be able to detect early, like what we do. Um, but I do think we're privileged to be in a specialty that people care about. Research is important. Money is important into the research for it. I'm so proud of you. Yeah, me too. I'm out of you too. Even <laughs> lives. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's see. Tell me about prevention. Well, I know a lot of you know. I think a lot of us want to know, like, what are there lifestyle factors or risk factors that individuals should be aware of when it comes to breast cancer? You always um or what or you know what would you tell you know your daughters if seeing this every day that you would tell them, hey, you know. This is what I would do. This is what you should do. You know, wear sunscreen. Don't, you know, <laughs> don't touch your breath too much. I don't know what your what would say is your your lifestyle um, lifestyle advice that you would give people. I think the number one thing I'll tell people, of course, is get your mammogram. Okay, if you are young, thirty five and above, black. Hispanic or whatever, like minority, get your mammogram first and foremost, okay? Because this is something that we can catch early. The other thing would be to do your own breast examination. So every once a month at least, if you want to do it every day, that's fine too. Breast examination, because you're going to be the first to know there's a problem, right? And so if you do your breast examination every other day, once a week, once a month, you have an idea how you feel. And so if a new lump pops up, you're more alert to say, let me get this taken taken care of early. So that's one thing. Um, Of course, risk factors. If you have an auntie, mom, different people in your family keep having different kinds of cancers, yes, pay attention. 
see if you can get your, um, get your genetic screening done. Make sure you don't have a mutation that needs early detection. So for example, if you come from a lineage of people that have pancreatic, ovarian, you know, uh, stomach, gastric cancers, you should definitely say, you know, there's a little, what's going on with this mutation? And then that's when you can like, you know, make sure you can get your screen. And if you know better, you start screening more, we could add MRI to that. Um, people always say, you know, of course, healthy lifestyle is great, you know, exercising, eating well, um, not overconsumption of alcohol, all these things are in moderation. But I would say that if you're already doing those things, you're the kind of person that would like to take care of your body, right? And so because of that, you're probably going to go get screened too. Behavior modifications. Uh, but I could tell you this, you could do all of these things. You could do every single one of them mm. and you may still get breast cancer. Mm -hmm. um, so at the end of the day, I tell my patients, you do the best you can, and that's all you can do. Come for your mammogram, see your PCP often so that they can also do a breast exam on you as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but you can do all these things and still get it. And that's the unfortunate part of it. But if you catch it early, mm -hmm. you have a better chance of getting complete cure and living normal lives. Are there any other words of wisdom, advice that you could um, share with us? Um and the listeners? Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, like I, I've, we've already reiterated all day today, and I'm going to definitely push, it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. The month of October, you're going to see pink everywhere. You're going to see hospitals with pink banners up, uh, billboards. It is important to get the screening mammogram and to screen early. Um, it's scary, but it doesn't have to be um, if you get screened. Yeah. You know? Um, and it's anxiety provoking and I completely understand that I get that, but let's do it scared. Okay. Let's do it scared. Let's do it unknown. Let's do it unsure because mammography does save lives. We wouldn't be doing this if we didn't believe in it. It does help people. I have seen the difference between screening early and, and, and getting cancer stage four later. I mean, it could be, it, it is deadly. But we doesn't have to get to that point um, because of the advancement in technology, uh, in treatment, oncology, chemo. I mean, there's so much research that even if you get the diagnosis of breast cancer, it doesn't mean you're going to die, at least not today. <laughs> it just means that, you know, you need to get some help, find the right doctors for you, go through the process and you will make it through. You will get to the other side. It doesn't have to take you down so um that's the beauty of what we do is that we actually are able to help people and people survive breast cancer every day yeah. people survive breast cancer every day it doesn't have to take you down so um i love what i do i find it i'm very privileged to do it but at the same time i'm even blessed able to help other women so we look forward to seeing you at any of our neighboring methodist hospital breast center or any breast center that you go to uh, we're there to help you. If you have any questions, ask for the doctor. Can I see the doctor? We are more than glad, most of the time, <laughs> to come out and see you and answer all your questions because we understand that it is anxiety provoking, but that's our job. It's our job to help you. So thank you so much for having me, Dr. Foyer. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Adeyefa. We're so grateful. Thank you to all our listeners this month, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So what you can do is if you are man, female, anybody listening to this, find five people, five women to say, hey, you know, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Make sure you get your screen uh, screening mammogram, okay? And the most non, you know, 
oppressive or non, you know, anxiety provoking way you can get five women and and talk about it and get people in your circle. It'd just be a shame to have somebody you've known or known all your life and uh, find out something like they have breast cancer and they they never had a screening and nobody told them or nobody personally asked them to go get your screening. You know, we women, we take care of everybody. And usually we're the last person on the table to get taken care of. We don't take care of ourselves enough. We don't take time. We don't, you know, and this is self-care. Take care of yourself, get your screenings this month or, you know, before the end of this year, if you haven't done it. Okay. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you soon. Okay. Bye. Tired of waiting at the ER? Lifesavers 24-Hour Emergency Room is your number one ER for pediatric and adult medical care. Staffed by board-certified physicians with absolutely no wait time, Lifesavers 24-Hour Emergency Room is equipped to handle life-threatening conditions quickly. Your emergency or concern is our priority.